the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. And we are with Ken. And Ken, I'm getting some feedback, buddy. So there, that's better. Good. Thank you. And this is a Dr. Bill radio show. I'm your Dr. Bill radio MD. We're on AM 860, The Answer. We're at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. This is talk radio, so we're interactive. And as many of you guys know, I have been on the air, gosh, 15 years now doing this show every Sunday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. And you can reach me worldwide on the web, so I'm your international Dr. Bill at drbillradiomd.com, click listen live and you've got me, or you can go to the radio station website, theanswer.com, am860theanswer.com, or I think we're the answer Tampa, I'm not sure, but Ken probably knows that, and uh, you can click listen live there too. So, we try to keep the show interesting, and I'm going to have a little bit of a variety today, and we'll ask a few questions, give away some coffee mugs, so Ken, keep your Keep your ears on, buddy. We'll have to take some names and phone numbers as people call in. I will be watching those phones with every all, every with being all, I have. Okay, with all forty eyes. That's right, exactly. Ken Ken is actually an insect, so <laughs> he's got lots of eyes. Everybody. Uh, now the flu season is upon us, and we have had some requests to go over the recommendations this year. You say, well, what's the big deal with flu? I mean, I don't get a flu shot, and I've never had the flu. I'm not sure that I believe that uh, people say that, but they probably have had the flu, but just not a very bad case. Of course, there's always going to be that small percentage of the population that has some innate immunity, but for 99.999% of us, we're not immune to the flu. The problem with the flu virus is that it's 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 very changeable. It will it will mutate, and every year there are new strains that come along, and that affect the population not only in the United States but worldwide. And so the CDC and the World Health Organization and all these uh, big time healthcare organizations get together and try to determine which strains of flu are going to affect the population. And they they do uh, likelihoods, they do statistical analysis and projections and all that. And they look at what's been around in the past few years and what the likelihood is of a new strain coming along or an old strain resurfacing. So that's why we have to get the flu shot every year because the strain of the virus changes year to year. And we we don't know exactly which one is going to pop up. 
And you say, well, is the flu really that big of a deal? Remember the flu back, the flu uh, influenza uh, epidemic of 1918-1919 killed more people than World War I killed. It was 50 or 60 million people worldwide that were killed by the flu. And there were uh, probably a million people in the United States that were killed by the flu, maybe more. I don't know. It's, it's a big number. Now, last year, in the beginning of this year, from October 1st of 2018 to January 5th of 2019, there were over 7 million people that became sick with the flu, and uh, probably 3 million visited the physician for their flu, and 69,070, up to 83,000 people were hospitalized. And there's a death rate, a mortality rate with this. The last flu season, the big one, 2017-18, was one of the worst in nearly a decade. More than 900,000 people were hospitalized and more than 80,000 deaths occurred. That's almost 10% of the hospitalized patients died from influenza. Now, there were probably more deaths at home, older people who didn't go or infants who were uh, declared to have had sudden infant death syndrome. So it, it, it is a, a big deal. It's a lot bigger deal than than uh, going to the Walmart and having a mass shooter come along. The odds of you catching the flu and getting really sick are not bad. They're pretty good. Whereas getting shot by uh, a rage shooter is extremely small and almost non-existent. So the CDC says, and I say, get the flu shot. And when people say, what should we do about all this gun violence? I say, go get a flu shot. What should we do about the Democrats and their, their phony trials to try and trap the president and get him out of office? Get the flu shot. You want to take care of yourself, get the flu shot. And that's not just you. That's anybody six months of age and older. Why? Well, why not under six months? Well, the immune system is not ready to handle the, uh, the challenge that comes along with the influenza virus vaccination in kids under six months. Plus, we assume that they still have some antibodies from their mother, especially if they're breastfeeding. And because when you're born, you have antibodies from your mother. And those usually stay in your system for about six months until your immune system starts to kick in and do its thing. So we say six months and up. And priority groups for the vaccination are children under five years of age, especially those under two years of age. Why? Because they probably have not been exposed to a really bad influenza virus in the past, and they're more likely to get really sick and to die. And, of course, adults 65 years of age and older are at high risk. Adults and children who have chronic medical conditions such as lung disease, asthma, emphysema, COPD, heart disease, uh, that means blocked arteries or, or bad heart valves, kidney disease, liver disease, neurologic diseases like multiple sclerosis, blood disorders, uh, leukemias, lymphomas, metabolic disorders, including diabetes mellitus. All these people are at much higher risk for succumbing to the influenza virus, uh, getting really sick and even dying. And people who are immunocompromised that is, people with uh, suppressed immune systems by medications that they're taking for, say, uh, rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or for a cancer treatment, or if they have HIV, AIDS virus, and they're on treatment, uh, these people are also at higher risk. 
And of course, the question you're going to ask now is, hey, doc, did you get your flu shot? You bet your little blue booties I did. Did you get yours, Ken? I have not gotten a flu shot this oh year my yet. God. I know, I know. I sh- Robert, get him off the air now. <laughs> <laughs> so far, I'm feeling pretty healthy, but I'm going to take care of that, absolutely, because I'm in that age group now where you are. I want to be, right. you know, okay. 60s all right. and all I'm, that. I'm counting on you. Next week, you have to have had the flu shot. In fact, maybe we should set it up over at the station and make sure everybody gets that's, a shot. That's a great idea. All right. A lot of companies do that. They bring somebody in to uh, yeah. administer we'll the flu co- shot. We'll tell Barbara. If she's listening this morning. Barbara, give me a heads up, and I'll send somebody over, and we'll give everybody the flu shot over at your place. Now, who else needs a, a flu shot? Really, all of us do, but it really high-risk people. Pregnant and postpartum mothers, children and adolescents, 6 through 18 years, who are on aspirin or aspirin-containing medications. Why? Because of Ray's or Rye's syndrome. Uh, we know that if you're on an aspirin for something, uh, for uh, an autoimmune disease or for some chronic problem, blood clotting problems, that you're at higher risk if you're a kid for the Ray's or the Rye's syndrome, however you want to pronounce it, because we know that viral infections and aspirin can cause this uh, often fatal syndrome. And so we don't want to see that. Of course, residents of nursing homes and long-term care facilities, actually anybody who works in an organization where there are a lot of people coming and going who might carry the virus and infect you, and you might infect the people that are already in the institution, American Indians, Alaska Natives, basically that's the, uh, that's the Asians, the Mongolians who migrated over the land bridge in, in, in the last ice age from Asia over into Alaska and populated the Americas with what we call American Indians. Uh, people who are extremely obese with a body mass index greater than 40, healthcare personnel, that's me, old men, that's me, good looking guys, that's me. Oh, I'm, I'm, never mind. You don't have to be good looking to get a flu shot. Household contacts and caregivers of young and old people and household contacts of people with medical conditions that put them at risk for severe illness and complications from the influenza. And so that's basically everybody. So what is the dosing? Well, for kids who are six months through 35 months of age uh, and who have not previously had a flu shot, we'd like them to get the the quadrivalent, the, the four different flu strains this year, and they'll probably need a couple of shots, one now, no booster in a few months. Now, for older people uh, who have been exposed to multiple influenza epidemics over their lifetime, they'll need the trivalent, which is three different strains. And so we see a little bit of a difference in the age groups. Why? Because For instance, the swine flu, it wasn't as uh, critical for me to get a swine flu shot when the swine flu came back around a few years ago. And that's one of the worst uh, strains of the virus that we have seen in the history of virology. It's going all the way back to the beginning of of the 20th century. And the reason is that I lived through two or three different swine flu epidemics I probably had a swine flu shot in the 1970s. And so 
I probably had some lingering immunity to it and it was not as critical for me, but for people who had not lived through the swine flu epidemics in the past and had not had exposure, well, then they were at high risk. So there are populations that need more. In particular, the younger population needs more immunization. They need more strains of the flu. And so we have two different shots this year. We have a quadrivalent and a trivalent. Quadra, four, tri, three. And that's important, guys. So I want everybody to go out and do Dr. Bill a favor and get that flu shot. You can get it at many of the drug stores. We have it in our office. I know several other doctors who have the influenza vaccine in their office. And if you come to our office and get it, you get one of my wonderful coffee mugs. And they're really nice. I even impressed the sales group at the station. Mary and Steve, they were like, wow, these are really beautiful mugs. Doc, where'd you get them? Uh, well, I stayed up late one night and made them down in my kiln. No, actually, I ordered them online, and uh, they're gorgeous. I got a couple thousand, so don't be shy about coming in and wanting a flu shot and a mug. So that's the influenza situation. And if you have any questions about that, I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877 and Ken, you got to get that shot, but I need you to back me up on this. I promise I will take care of that. Hopefully, by the time we talk again next weekend, I'll have that all done. All right, you the man. I'm happy to be in the office. It, you know. All right. So, what's going on? What's going on in our world? We'll talk about Trump and all that a little bit later. First, I want to look at some international issues that are disconcerting, and make a few points that I've made in the past. Now. In Iraq, there is violence flaring again. It doesn't seem to be secular. It doesn't seem to be Shia versus Sunni, the two sects of, of Islam that occupy the Iraqi land. The Iraqis have mostly resolved their differences, and according to the Reuters uh, reporter John Davison, there's really not much uh, intersecular combating and fighting going on. It, this appears to be younger people who are upset with the socioeconomic conditions in the country. And why are they protesting? Well, they're fed up. Two years after they've defeated Islamic State, with our help, of course, the 40 million population are living in worse conditions than ever. Security's good, but the infrastructure has been destroyed because of, of decades of war, the war with Iran, the uh, wars with the United States, the wars with their neighbors, the uh, the conflicts within the country, uh, going back to Saddam Hussein and coming all the way through the past 15, 20 years when we got involved more deeply in the country. And so it's left a lot of the country's infrastructure wrecked. A lot of cities were leveled. Uh, a lot of the uh, water systems and the electrical grid were destroyed. And so here's a country that's producing a ton of oil. I mean, they've got tremendous wealth. Well, where is it going? Well, let's remember that this is a very corrupt part of the world. And so a lot of the money is not going to take care of the country. It's going into the pockets of those who have power. And this is one more reason that I have said and will continue to say that we should never have left, that they're not ready for home rule that they need uh, a big brother there to show them how to do it and to help them 
get to a point where they can function semi-honestly, and I'm probably preaching to the wrong choir here because we're having our own problems with corruption, although ours don't appear to be as much about uh, taking money from from the United States population. It's, it's more taking money from other populations uh, to make money for a few of, of those in power. But for the majority of us, we do have infrastructure here in the country, and, and we're pretty good about graft and corruption and making sure that none of this affects our waterworks, our road system, our electrical grid, our internet. And certainly there's going to be corruption everywhere, but there's so much more once you get outside of the United States and outside of the Western countries, the English speaking countries in Western Europe. And it's just, it's really kind of sad to see a country like Iraq that has so much potential, so much so many natural resources and has so much wealth and is selling oil like crazy. And by the way, we didn't get any oil for going in there and, and, and saving their bacon. So people who said that we went in for the oil do not know what really happened. And they're wrong about that. But Iraqi oil output is at record levels. But the infrastructure's breaking down, and the war-damaged cities have yet to rebuild, and uh, there's still a bunch of armed groups that wield power on the streets. There's a lot of gangs, and of course, they're going to be young guys because unemployment is high, and there's corruption, and there's a lot of guns in the area still from the, the time of all the unrest and the civil and internecine wars that they had, the war with Iran. And so there's a lot of weaponry out there. There are explosives still around, caches of them. And you take unemployed young guys, throw in weapons, throw in some, some gang rivalries, parents who are complaining, families that are broken, and you've got yourself a powder keg. And so... What has sparked all of this? They don't appear to be organized political groups that are doing this. There are little little groups that pop up here and there, and of course, social media calls for protest, and the turnout appears to have taken security forces by surprise. They don't know, and they don't understand how so many people could know about a protest in one area and then all of a sudden appear there. Well, you got to remember now, the young people, they're the electronic generation. They're on the internet all the time and they're in social media all the time. They're not only talking to each other in their country, they're talking to kids all over the world. And I tell this story when my son's half-brother died years ago. It, it was within an hour that the news of his death was around the world, literally. I saw my son's Facebook post and the people that answered, they were from all English-speaking countries in the world that I, that I knew of. Within an hour or two, it had gotten all over the world and people were sending in their condolences. So you can see that if you have a cell phone and you've got an app that allows you to talk to your buddies in a social media context, Facebook or 
Twitter or whatever, that you can get a message out instantaneously, instantaneously. So we have a powder keg, and now we've got a really short fuse with the Internet. And so with the inadequacy of all the services, the state's ability to provide services, lack of jobs, uh, public anger at the corruption and the pocketing of money by the people in power that should be going for rebuilding the country and then having the government intervene when it comes to popular leaders. And there was one military officer who was demoted uh, he was a wartime hero, and so people were upset about that. Last year in Basra, the southern city, the port city, nearly 30 people were killed in protest. There have been demonstrations throughout the country, and there have been bombings, and we, he, we have seen people killed. There's more deaths so far than 80 this year. And there are hopes that the government will crack down on these. There's also the, the interference from Iran. The Iranians are backing some of these Iraqi paramilitary groups. And so there's been an attempt to crack down on these. And in Basra, anyway, it has been helpful. So there's tribal factions. There are... Uh, external factors that come into play. There's money, there's corruption, there are gunfights breaking out. There's basically, uh, you know, gang warfare. And what are the people protesting about? Well, they want opportunities. They want jobs. They want infrastructure. They want their cities rebuilt. They want clean water. They want electricity. They want power. They want internet. They want roads they can ride on, drive on. And so there's an unlimited potential for this country. And again, I say we should not have left. I think that colonialism ended way too soon. I don't think that a lot of these countries are ready for home rule, at least not without some big brother oversight. And you say, well, you know, they didn't want us there. Well, you know, what <laughs> What does that have to do with it? You're, my kids didn't want me telling them what to do. Do your homework, go to bed, brush your teeth. No, you didn't brush your teeth and take them upstairs and brush them for them. My son, like most young boys, would stand in the shower for 10 minutes and come out and I'd say, did you, did you bathe? Did you use soap? Yeah, dad, I use soap. And then you smell his head and you know he didn't use soap. He's a little stinky, little pre-adolescent, adolescent boy. You drag them back up there and you stand there and you make them use soap. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else you do. And you say, well, is it necessary to use soap? You know, when he didn't use soap, he got that, that crusty stuff in his scalp and then we'd have to scrub his scalp. I mean, come on, this isn't, uh, this isn't rocket science. And you say, well, we don't need to be the police force for the world. Well, you know what? If we don't do something to ensure that we have a safe and peaceful world, we're not going to have that. We're not going to have that. We have to expend those resources in these manners to ensure that we're safe and that we have a healthy neighbor or neighbors and that we're dealing with adults when we, when we go to the UN. And I can tell you right now, if you go to the UN and you sit through a session there, you're going to realize a lot of these countries 
they're not adults. You know, they're not there for the benefit of humanity or for their people. They're there for themselves. They're there to argue. They're there to bicker. They're kids on the playground. And, you know, you think of something that is simple that we take for granted in this country, like influenza vaccinations, the ability to go get a flu shot. Well, if you have an infrastructure that has collapsed and you don't have a drugstore on the corner that's functional because electricity's been cut off or you can't get there or the building was destroyed in the, in the last war with the Islamic State uh, and your doctor can't get influenza vaccination, you can't get the, the, the serum, we're going to go get a flu shot. I mean, you and I take it for granted. Well, if your doctor runs out, you'll go to the, the drugstore. If your drugstore doesn't have it, you'll go to the health department and wait in line for an hour or two. You got to have all these things in place in order to provide the basics, including health care. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you don't have the infrastructure, then you're not going to have adequate delivery of health care, among other things. And I, I just don't know what uh, what more I can say to convince my fellow Americans that we do have a place. And I'll say this to the president, too. I disagree with him vehemently on this. Don't pull out. Stay where we are. These people need us. They need us to ensure that they remain relatively secure. And we also need to intervene when there's corruption. And we need to help the populace learn how to take care of themselves and to create jobs. I mean, look, look what we did in South Korea. I mean, our influence there has made that one of the most prosperous nations on earth. They have probably the, the best, if not the second or third best healthcare system in the world. I know I've been there. I've received healthcare there. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. People come from all over the world to South Korea for orthopedic surgery, plastic surgery, uh, eye surgery, various kinds of medical expertise and uh, subspecialties that don't exist or are woefully underrepresented in many parts of the world and in many uh, well-to-do parts of the world, Thailand, uh, China, uh, all over. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable where people come from. And to go to South Korea, I, I mean, the United States, I went there and got health care. I got some plastic surgery done. I had a bunch of little ditzels on my face. And uh, actually, it was the family GP, the, the family practitioner. He had a laser in his office. And my sister-in-law, she goes to him every six months and gets her face done, whatever the women do to have their faces look beautiful with the laser. And she said, oh, well, come on, you guys, he'll take care of you, too. Dang, if he didn't. I mean, it would have cost me $2,000 in the United States to have somebody do that. And he charged me 180 and then he gave me a discount for being a doctor. And I think I paid 60 or 70 bucks, and he took 30 or 40 lesions off of my face with the laser. So I cannot underemphasize the need for uh, adequate stability and civility and a rule of law and a lack of corruption in order to make it a better place for the world and for the populations that live there. Uh, there's been just too much unrest in 
in uh, Iraq, and I don't think that we're doing anybody any service by going in, taking down a regime, and then leaving. I mean, look what happened in, in uh, Vietnam. The country is still just coming out of the destitution of that war and of the communist takeover and of the lack of infrastructure and the lack of good government, the lack of honesty and civility, the lack of law. Uh, it's just too bad. It really is. Well, I'm going to go grab a cup of joe, and when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about the president and his constitutional rights to confront those who accuse him of wrongdoing. And I'm going to ask a couple of questions about the the amendments to the Constitution, and I want you guys to call in and answer, and I'll give you a coffee mug if you get it right. And this is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I'll be right back. Hang in there. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Emails on other documents obtained through public records requests by the Associated Press show the FBI's far-reaching efforts to caution colleges that some Chinese scientists are aspiring to steal U.S. research for Beijing's gain. The emails show the university administrators have routinely sought briefings from law enforcement officials, even as some schools struggle with balancing the government's warnings against their commitments to inclusive international academic environments. A Hong Kong court has rejected a bid by some lawmakers to block a ban on masks aimed at quashing violence at pro-democracy rallies. The ban took effect yesterday. It triggered chaos for a third straight day in the semi-autonomous Chinese territory. And a witness for the prosecution in the Amber Geiger murder trial has been shot and killed. That happened late on Friday. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727 727- The following is a public notice for those who are disabled and unable to work. To ensure that all Americans are granted fair access to their Social Security benefits, a team of disability specialists are currently reviewing claims. If you've been denied disability benefits before or are making your initial claim, you may be eligible for this program. You'll be assigned an experienced disability specialist with inside knowledge of the SSDI and SSI programs. They'll evaluate your situation, complete your application, and present a strong, effective case to the Department of Social Security on your behalf. If you suffer from a physical or mental disability, you may qualify for a 
up to $2,800 per month. A toll-free number has been established for you to check your eligibility. And there are no fees unless you secure benefits. Applying for Social Security disability can be a long, complicated process. Increase your chances of receiving the federally mandated benefits you deserve by calling now. 800-329-1117. Space is limited. Call 800-329-1117. 800-329-1117. Do you like winning prizes? How about getting sneak peek opportunities and offers before anyone else? Join the Answer VIP Club today at TheAnswerTampa.com and gain access to incredible contest opportunities, discounts from your favorite businesses, and more. If you're a passionate conservative and want to be rewarded for being a part of the Answer community, sign up for the Answer VIP Club today. Join the Answer VIP Club by clicking the Fan Club tab at TheAnswerTampa.com. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. It'll be warm today with partly sunny skies and a high of 90. Humid tonight with patchy clouds this evening, followed by areas of low clouds. Tonight's low 75. We'll have times of sun and clouds tomorrow with a shower or heavier thunderstorm in the area, mainly later in the day, the high 89. Mostly cloudy Tuesday. It'll be humid with a shower or thunderstorm. Tuesday's high 89. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Drew Shannon for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. If you're just joining the show, we are talking about, or we were talking about, the flu and then a little bit about the unrest in Iraq. And again, I made my point for staying there and, and making sure that folks learn how to take care of themselves in a legitimate manner without corruption and uh, infighting. And now I'm going to move on to the president, and I've got some questions for everybody today, so we'll get some answers and give away some of my famous mugs. Uh, I want to know something about the amendments to the Constitution. The Bill of Rights are the first 10 amendments. Uh, Those were largely written by Mason at the request of Virginia prior to signing the the, uh, Constitution and joining the Union. They insisted that there be a promise for a Bill of Rights. And so there was. And so the president has been facing essentially uh, untrue accusations. And Congress, which is the authority that oversees the president and ensures that he behaves and abides by the law of the land, the Congress has said, at least the House of Representatives has said, that it wants to impeach the president. So, but the president still has the same rights uh, under the Constitution as you and me. So I want to know, first question is, what amendments do you think come into play when the president is facing this hostile Democratic Congress? The next question is, what amendment gives us the right to a speedy trial? the right to uh, not incriminate ourselves, the right not to be tried twice for the same crime. And what amendment allows us to face our accusers? So I think we've got three questions out there. And of course, I'll take any comments as, as we go along. I am at 877 
877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. The president should be afforded the right to confront his accusers. You say, well, it's different. The president lives by a little bit different set of rules than we do. Yes, but the Constitution is applicable to all members of society, and our president is no better or no worse than the rest of us. He's one of us. Yes, we grant him a lot of power, and we give him a a lot of uh, ability to enact and enforce laws, and we also give him a lot of trust, and we don't want that broken. So, but when the president is accused of a wrongdoing, he should have the right to confront his accusers. That's a basic part of our system and one which has to be protected. Because if we don't protect it, then when you and I need it, it won't be there. And this would be just another step that the Democrats would love to take to inflict upon us uh, a fascist state, a social fascist state, where there's basically one party, and anybody who steps out of line or says anything they don't like would be accused of whatever and brought before their courts, their kangaroo courts, and uh, in some way or another eliminated from society. No, impeachment's not actually the same thing as a judicial proceeding, but it has all of the same elements. It is like a grand jury. Uh, The grand juries are the ones who can say yay or nay as to whether or not the prosecuting attorney should file charges against somebody. And you say, well, what about if the policeman catches a guy robbing a building? Well, that's a little bit different because you got him in the act. But you still have to have some kind of... uh, um, rubber stamp to say that you can proceed. You have to have some way of overseeing the prosecuting attorneys, just like you have ways of overseeing the police, uh, doctors, um, all segments of society have to have some rules and regulations that they live by, and there has to be a process. It's called a rule of law. So first of all, as best we can tell, the whistleblower in the Trump situation has no firsthand knowledge. And so even more so, the president should have the right to confront this person and say, well, where'd you get this? And the lawyers for the whistleblower are saying they fear for the whistleblower's safety, which is baloney. Nobody wants to kill the whistleblower. We want to expose him or her, and show what a bunch of lies this is. And if you're talking about removing a man from office because of an anonymous complaint by an unnamed person who wasn't even witness to the acts that they're whistleblowing about, well, even more reason. So which amendment to the Constitution gives us the right to face our accuser. Give me a call at 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. We've got Ed from Tampa on line three with the answer to one of the constitutional questions. Ed, what's up, bud? 
Well, uh, first, I want to uh, thank you uh, for continuing your uh, service to us on the air. And, uh, but um, you're welcome. Uh, the amendment, of course, uh, applies to uh, all of us uh, as far as uh, not requiring us to uh, uh, provide testimony against ourselves. And uh, that, that is applicable to the, the president as well. Absolutely. And, Are you there? Uh, I'll leave the uh, I'll leave the other uh, amendments to uh, maybe some other individuals uh, who are looking to uh, acquire a cup from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's good of you, Ed, and you're right. Uh, the The amendments to the Constitution, Congress is just stepping all over them when it, trampling on them when it comes to what they're doing to this president. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, he should not have to, and I don't think there's any constitutional uh, push uh, for him to hand over any documents to the legislative branch. I mean, the executive privilege is recognized as absolute and has been for uh, 200 years. So, I mean, this goes all the way back to Washington. I think he was the first president, although he didn't call it executive privileges, uh, he wouldn't hand over documents because they were uh, secret. They were sensitive, classified documents. So I agree with that. Okay, Ed, make sure you uh, give your name and address to Ken, and we'll get you a mug out this week. And I really appreciate your call. It's good to have everybody out there involved, and we want to continue to do that. So what amendment comes into play or states that you have the right to face your accuser. Give me a call, someone, and let me know what you think. We'll give away another mug and get your opinion on this. 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. You're with Dr. Bill on Dr. Bill's radio show. It's, you know, it's not the House that is actually carrying out the impeachment. The whole House is not out to get the president. It's the Democratic Party in the House, and they have control. And, of course, this makes it uh, a tough situation for the minority members of the House, the Republicans, <coughs> because they're not being heard. You can hear me okay, Ken? Oh, yeah, we're still got you. We still got you, though. Okay, Bye. good. All right. I had a little lull there, folks. I wasn't sure if it was me or you. <clears throat> so the Democrats are on an emotional mission. They don't want to see Trump reelected. They didn't want him reelected the first time. They don't want free enterprise. They don't want constitutional rights. They don't want us to be able to uh, confront our accusers. Uh, they don't want us to be able to uh, refrain from incriminating ourselves. I mean, does this start to sound like what went on in, in, in wartime and in, in concentration camps? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know, they project, they say that, uh, Trump is a fascist and Trump is a racist and Trump is a this and Trump is a that, you know what? They're the ones who are practicing all of these things that they're saying the president and the conservatives are doing. And we have to be very diligent to ensure that we do not end up with a fascist regime like this in power. And 
I'll also point out that if we allow the Democrats to take over, the corruption will again increase. And I said this when Obama was first elected on the radio, this will be one of the most corrupt presidential regimes in history. And it's coming to pass. I mean, we are seeing some monumental corruption in the Obama White House, not only with the vice president, but with the agencies that are under the executive branch, including justice, FBI, CIA, NSA. I mean, these are really egregious, illegal, dishonest actions that these agencies, or at least some of the people at the top of these agencies have taken. I'm sure that the majority of the rank and file are, are uh, good people, hardworking, sincere and honest, but come on, this is just outrageous. It's unbelievable. And I don't think we've seen anything like this since the uh, Harding, Warren Harding's presidency in the early 1920s with the Teapot Dome scandal where one of the secretaries was selling rights to oil fields in the Western United States, which were uh, or oil reserves, actually, which were meant for the Navy and making millions off of that. And now we see that Biden's making hundreds of millions. And I guess the scale is probably similar given to the inflationary rate over the past 100 years. And we've had one legal scholar after another, and uh, we've had people who are or who were special counsels and special investigators, independent counsels. And on the uh, Mark Levin show, Mike Espy, uh, <clears throat> who was Clinton's secretary of agriculture, was confronted by uh, the investigation as things were going along with Clinton. Uh, the Remember the Watergate probe under Kenneth Starr? And uh, I think that Starr or one of his uh, associates served as the independent counsel investigating Clinton's secretary of agriculture, Mike Espy. Now, Espy's from Mississippi, and he ran for office for the U.S. Senate, and he wants to run again. This guy was investigated by the special counsel during Clinton's term because he was dirty. Well, what's adding to all of this, as well as ignoring the, the amendments to the Constitution, which seems to be very easy for the Democrats to do. And I, I got to tell you that <clears throat> my sister, my little sister, she is the uh, probably the most radical leftist member of the family. And she says, she uses the F word when she's talking about the Constitution. She says, rip it up. Now, she's a founding member of MoveOn.org. She worked for the Obama campaign. Uh, she hates Trump. If I ever want to get her upset, I don't even have to do anything. I just say Trump, and she melts down and hangs up the phone, and, uh, and then she's up all night anguishing over how Trump got into power and thinking about ways to get rid of him. And, you know, she said, kill all white men. Wait a minute. <laughs> Your husband's white. Your brother's white. You want to kill all white men? Listen, guys, this is the way that a lot of people on the far radical left think. And I think that uh, it is 
important for us to really honestly and sincerely look at this. And I'm not telling you this from reading newspapers or uh, listening to the press or uh, discussing this at the lunch table with other doctors. I'm telling you this from my own family and both sides of the family, Catholic and Jewish. This is, this is really a, a dangerous situation. We have to be tough. We have to resist, and the president has to resist because he's our man. We put him there, and he's there representing us. And his, representa- his representation is a reflection of our desires and wishes. And to that end, whether he likes it or not, whether he wants to cave in or not, he can't. He's got to be strong. He's got to be strong for us. We have made him daddy for the day. And daddy for the day is going to have to stand up to the bad neighbor next door who wants to come over and punch us in our nose. And he's got to stand up to him and say, no, I'm not going to let you do it. I'm not letting you in my house. And if you don't cut it out, we're going to come get you. And I agree with that 100%. And you say, well, can that really happen? Rights come and go. Rights can be taken away. I mean, let's face it, rights are are not given, they're taken. We took the right to self-government and self-rule. We told King George, we said, Dad, we're leaving home. He said, no, you're not. And we said, yeah, we are. And he said, no, I'm going to whip your butt, boy. And we said, come on. And so we had us a little revolutionary war. And we took our right to self-rule. We took our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We took our right to decide how much to tax ourselves and what the taxes should be used for. We didn't have that right when we were a colony. We didn't have a say in parliament. And dad was saying, you know, you got to pay taxes now to help offset the deficit from this war with the French and Indians that you guys were involved in. And dad had said, look, if you fight for us, and you help us win this war, the seven-year war in Europe, the French and Indian War in the United States in the 1750s, then you'll be able to settle the land west of the Appalachians and east of the Mississippi. And then after the war, Dad said, well, I changed my mind. Wait a minute. You said that we could use that land. Now you're saying, no, we can't. It's for the Native Americans. Well, I changed my mind. And while we're at it, you got to pay more taxes. Wait a minute. What's going on here, Pop? Oh, by the way, I don't trust you, Colonials, so I want to take all your guns away, and I need you to put up some of my troops over there. Well, they're there to protect you, so don't complain. You give them room and board, and uh, I'll see about paying you something later on, if we have money, if you pay your taxes. You see how these things develop? You think it can't happen? Look what's happening in Hong Kong. The communists in Beijing, when Hong Kong was returned at the end of the lease, the British had leased the the island for a hundred years from the Chinese, and in 1997, I believe it was that was the year it reverted back to Chinese rule. One of the agreements was that the Hong Kong democracy and governmental form would stand and stay in place. Well, that's been eroded over the past 20 years. And the latest that sparked the major protests going on now in Hong Kong was that Beijing said, well, 
for major crimes. We're just going to expedite you. Uh, I mean, we're going to extradite you back to Beijing for trial. Well, you know what that means. You'll never see Hong Kong again. You'll be out in the Northwest province somewhere uh, in a prison or a labor camp, and that'll be the end of you. And that could be for real or imagined crimes. It could be for things that the Democrats made up or the communists made up. And so now tens of thousands of people are marching through the city of Hong Kong every weekend. And most recently, they put on Guy Fawkes masks. Guy Fawkes was, uh, was the Catholic agent who tried to blow up Parliament shortly after Queen Elizabeth I that died, and I believe it was uh, James I that was in power because the Spanish wanted to uh, reinstate a Catholic rule in England, my side of the family, my Catholic side of the family. And so Guy Fawkes and his agents, they dug a tunnel under Parliament, and they had hundreds of tons of gunpowder that they rolled in there, and they were going to blow up Parliament. And well, they got caught. And uh, so now the English celebrate Guy Fawkes Day, and they put on a mask that looks a lot like Guy Fawkes. And everybody goes around, and they have fireworks and all kinds of things go on. And so, of course, the people in Hong Kong came to celebrate that as part of the English uh, colonies, uh, the colonials. And so now they're wearing Guy Fawkes mask, but the English, an old law that was passed, had uh, said, well, you can't wear masks because thugs and gangs and robbers were wearing masks. So they banned the wearing of masks in public in Hong Kong. The English did, and that law is still on the books. And so now the police are saying in Hong Kong, you're breaking the law wearing a mask. Well, now you've got 10,000, 20,000 people running around with Guy Fawkes mask on. And that's because they know that if they're filmed and if they're caught, they'll be sent to prison for protesting because it's a communist country, and the communists want to make it monolithic. Sound familiar? Sound like anybody else we know? Anybody close to home? You got it. You got it. So it is vitally important that we continue to stand up to this uh, nonsense and these lies and these uh, uh, attempts by the Democrats to impose a type of, of communism uh, fascism on our country that we don't want. Well, it's getting close to the end of the show, and uh, Ken's barking at me. How much time we got left, Ken? Oh, a little less than a minute now, Doc. So wrap it oh up now, buddy. God, I ha- know time flies, doesn't it? Time flies, and you—this was your first solo day. My huh? first solo. That's right, without Joe in the background. So Ken's our new producer for the show, and we're just delighted to have him. He's got a strong voice and a handsome face. <laughs> and he, he looks really good on radio. I do, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to thank Ed and everybody else for being out there. Ed, we'll get you a uh, a mug, and I've got your address here. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. You know, I love everybody, and I appreciate you being out there. I am Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Kid, I'm going to let you play some music, and I'm gone, bud. Thank you very much. Great show, as always, Doc. Th- thank you, sir. Thank you very much now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.